Hello and welcome. I am Ira Gordon, and along with Stacey Santi, the host of the Accidental Entrepreneurs Podcast. We each previously founded successful companies. Along the way, we became business owners and eventually sold those businesses, despite us having no real background in business or ever even planning to become entrepreneurs. In other words, we did this all despite originally having no idea what we were doing or getting ourselves into. In each episode of this podcast, we will share stories and tips from our journey, and we'll answer a randomly chosen question about our experience. Let's jump right into the show. Ira, you had some pretty exciting happenings in your life yesterday. Tell us all about it. My goodness, Stacey. This was one of the greatest things ever. So as you know, I am a big time nerd when it comes to everything radiation um, as a radiation oncologist. And um, one of the things I've always wanted to do um, for like nearly 20 years is to create these things called Lichtenberg figures, which are essentially um, trees that are created within plastic by the discharge of radiation. And you can't really do this with a typical linear accelerator that's used for treating patients because you have to deliver really, really high dose rates of electrons beyond what they'll let you do for typical safety reasons. You would never do that to a patient. And but, just so, just so like regular people can understand, can you give us the the dummy version of what a linear accelerator does? Yes, um, it is a radiation treatment machine. So it is what people that are going to receive radiation for cancer ailments would be treated with. And what it does is it imparts onto electrons, which are tiny charged particles, uh, a large amount of energy so that they can penetrate and, and treat things like tumors um, before typically having those electrons smashed into a target, which creates X-ray photons, which are primarily usually used to treat most cancers. But by sliding the target that usually creates those photons, as well as this big piece of lead called a flattening filter, out of the way, you can treat with a really high energy electron beam. Um, you only do this when you're taking out the machine, because this causes a ton of wear and tear and degradation of a lot of the parts of the machine. And we are taking out the very first linear accelerator ever put in, in Leesburg, Virginia. And so we had the opportunity to do this and you set everything up. We put these pieces of acrylic in front of the beam, you turn it on, they start glowing this bright white as they're accumulating um, these millions of volts of charge within them. And then you tap them with like a grounded piece of metal and there's a big flash of light as it discharges. And then all these little tiny lightning flashes that happen within the plastic, creating these, what I think are just gorgeous tree shaped um, sort of figures within the middle of this piece of plastic. And so I got to do it, got to do it with a bunch of my good friends and colleagues that uh, I worked with for many years. And um, you know, truly kind of one of these bucket list items that I can finally say I've done. And I've got a nice collection now of acrylic Lichtenberg figures for my personal enjoyment and maybe for a few gifts. And those of you listening, you can't see Iris' face. He is literally smiling from like ear to ear. He's so happy. <laughs> this is as animated as I probably ever get. I'm pretty low key, but I just can't help but smile about this. <laughs> 
Oh, so you know what your family's getting for Christmas. You're way ahead of the game for Christmas 2020. I'm giving these away to my family. So these are these are for <laughs> special radiation nerds only. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a pretty amazing day. I had a less amazing day as I am dealing with COVID. And I, I mean, know, I'm, I'm so on day nine. I don't feel that bad, but my voice probably sounds a little weird. It's just... I don't know. Annoying, I guess. For sure. All right. So today's question is, have you ever been sued or have you ever had to sue anyone? Anything with a lawyer? Let's hear what you have to say about that, Ira. I I have done lots of things with lawyers, mostly contracts. And I remember when my partner once told me, he said, you know, Ira, if instead of spending all this money creating contracts with lawyers, we just put that money aside into a fund that we would potentially spend on the lawyers if we have a dispute and need to hire them, we'd be much better off. Um, <laughs> which I think is sound, and I've never had the courage of uh, those convictions to actually proceed that way, but um, I thought it was interesting advice. Uh, why don't I let you go first, Stacy? since I've been talking a little bit? I guess there's been kind of two times I've encountered this situation. One is when I had to sue somebody. And then the other was when someone was toying with the idea of suing me. And so the story goes, it's all about the name of the company, Vet to Pet. That's what I named the company, V-E-T, the number two, P-E-T. And the number two is kind of significant here because I think that was unique. And in the early, early days of Vet to Pet, I was trying to blindly stumble my way through the startup scene. And I was talking to lots of people about my idea and thinking at this point, some of the big players would be a good strategic partner for me. And one of the players I pitched to was Avamark, which was a owned by Covetris. Back then, it was owned by a different uh, entity, the, the McAllister brothers uh, for, from Henry Schein. And um, I pitched to them and I had a call with them and I showed them a lot of what I was doing. And ultimately, they were super nice about it and they passed on it. It never materialized into anything. Then fast forward maybe five or six years. They ended up partnering with a company that was doing similar to what we were doing as far as client reminder systems and in a mobile app format. And they were rebranding it to be Pet2Vet with the number two. And, you know, I'm like, what the heck? They stole my name. This is what I think a logical person would think. Like they stole my name. They knew what I was doing. We're causing maybe some pain to them. And so they're going to come back and try to squash us like a big behemoth would. And I sent emails and it wasn't really, I wasn't really getting any responses. So I had to get an attorney. We finally had to issue an, a cease and desist to them. And then that got their attention, right? And then what ends up happening is kind of, nice and funny and doesn't normally work out this way. The one of the head guys over there at Covetris called me up 
And he's like, you know what? Uh, we had no idea. Oh, hold on, there's a jet going over. Just doing a little air show over your place. Now there's another jet going down. So, side note, this is kind of funny. Um, my dad and mom bought a house about 15 minutes away from me here. In- I thought you were going to say bought a jet. <laughs> no, here in the Phoenix area. <laughs> and their house is right in the Luke Air Force flight pattern. And this really oh, bothers my father a lot. And so he called Luke Air Force Base and asked them if they could please change their flight patterns because it was really disturbing to him and mom when they're watching TV. And doing <laughs> the colonel's like, uh, no, sir. No, Mr. Santi, we cannot change our flight pattern. We've been here a lot longer than you have. This guy calls me up and he's telling me, we had no idea. We are super sorry. We would never want to, you know, squash an entrepreneur. It's like, we're going to take the name down. And then they were so nice. He said, send me the bills. I'll pay your attorney fees for this. It shouldn't have happened. It's fantastic. A, a happy having to sue somebody story. Yeah. I pretty much just had to do it to get their attention. Then the other time, that it happened was I had a tagline on my company. It said for vets by vets. And I never thought that could be like a trademarked phrase or anything, but apparently Paul Peon from VIN, the veterinary information network was using that same tagline for years and years before me. And I didn't know. And I got wind that he was pretty mad about it. And to me, as a young veterinarian who grew up on his platform, I was horrified to think that the inventor of Venn would be upset with me. And I knew somebody who knew him and it got back to me that he was pretty ticked off with me. And so I reached out to him and I just told him, I'm super sorry. I I didn't know like you were so attached to that. I didn't even know you're using it. It didn't cross my mind. And so we changed our tagline. Like, you know, he, he was clearly there first. Well, uh, I've known Paul from Vin for many years. He actually reached out to us uh, very soon after we had launched vet prep and he was located in Davis, California, where I was doing my residency and met with us. And he's always been really gracious and reasonable and, um, have enjoyed knowing him for many years. So I'm glad that things worked out between the two of you. Yeah, me too. How about you? Well, I have had a couple of minor sort of similar trademark disputes, but perhaps more interesting was that when we launched vet prep, we had decided that we wanted it to be a product that people could use and wouldn't necessarily have to pay for serially if they had to retake boards as some people do. And we thought that the product would help people so that most people would pass their boards and not need to take it again. And so we developed a policy that if somebody signed up for a vet prep subscription and actually used it, so they had to complete 80% of the course was sort of the requirement, 
and did not pass their board exam, that we would provide them with a free subscription for their next board exam or until they pass their board exam. And we named that policy the vet prep guarantee. And we had a student probably around year two of the business that didn't pass their boards and also didn't really utilize the course very much, but um, got in touch with us after getting a result from the board examiner that they didn't pass and told us that she held us responsible for not passing and we have this guarantee and ultimately sort of threatened liability over not just the fees that she paid for our course or even the fees that she paid to take her board exam, but over potential lost wages by not being a licensed veterinarian. And it was a little bit scary. Um, They also filed, I think, a complaint with someone like the Better Business Bureau. And so we had to, to push back and say, you know, this is really clearly described as what our policy is and what this person is alleging, you know, our responsibility for is um, not reasonable. And ultimately they backed off. We didn't end up having to go to court and fight it, but it was a little bit of a cautionary tale about being careful about the wording that you choose and how um, clearly you define your, your policies. Again, you know, the types of things that you lean on lawyers for to help uh, write up all of your fine print, your terms and conditions and all of those things. But um, yeah, fortunately didn't, didn't become a big to do, but was a scary thing in the early days. We didn't have the resources to fight a lawsuit or to make a big payout to someone with a um, unreasonable complaint. Well, it seems to me that you're going to have to have a lawyer if you're in if you're starting up a company and you intend to do something with this company unfortunately you're going to have to have a lawyer because these things are going to happen but one thing i learned is you get to help advise the lawyer how you want to be represented so you can either be a bulldog or you can be like hey let's try to work it out with them and i didn't realize uh at first that the lawyer needs you to tell them how aggressive you want to be and they'll do whatever you want them to do. They're gum for hire basically. And if there is any way you can work it out with somebody, you should try. Hopefully they have the same thoughts. Oftentimes though, I I say pick up the phone, man. The emails are so in the text texting, you're probably not going to be texting someone in this situation, but you're definitely going to be emailing. And if you could get to the head honcho and you're the head honcho. A lot of times I think more can happen here. Do you think so? I think phone calls are typically where good things are discussed and emails are typically where bad things are discussed. uh, Oh, that's clever. Right. Um, And so if you want this to be a bad thing, you should discuss it over email. And if you want it to be a good thing, you should give somebody a call. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, now we're at the part of the program where we are going to share a favorite tip, trick, book, quote, person. What you got for us today? Oh, Stacey, I didn't come prepared today to answer this question. So why don't you go first and give me a moment to think? Okay. No problem. One of my favorite things that I discovered is this podcast called How to Be Awesome at Your Job. And it's 
such a nice little podcast. They have almost a thousand episodes now, and they just interview different people, different business people, different leaders, or um, all kinds of individuals that are making a difference in how to be more productive in your work life. And I got so many ideas from this podcast and I would just listen to it when I take my dogs for a walk or go to the gym or whatever. And I can't even begin to tell you how many great little nuggets I got from this. One of my favorite episodes is when he interviews a, a gal that had written a book called Hack the Bureaucracy. And I love this book. I can't recommend it enough. It's short little one to two page sections, which is perfect if you just have a, a you want, want to do a small bit of reading with very practical tips on how to interact with large organizations when you're trying to communicate with them or thrive inside of them. So uh, I really recommend that podcast. I would love to recommend almost anything by uh, this content creator named Kwame Christian. And his, I think his first book is called Finding Confidence in Conflict, How to Negotiate Anything. And I love this book. I am somebody that tries very, very hard to avoid conflict. And I have had to grow into the sort of the position of accepting that conflict is actually usually good if handled the right way. And I haven't completely embraced the notion that it's not something to be feared, but I'm getting there. And I found this to be an incredibly enjoyable book for a variety of things, not just for negotiating the things people typically think about negotiating, but negotiating with children, negotiating with spouses, and really anything. Um, He also has uh, a podcast and TED Talks and and the like, one of my really most interesting takeaways from the book was a discussion that he had about confidence and authenticity and how connected the two of them are. And that was really surprising to me because I oftentimes feel like people that are really confident don't seem very authentic, Mm -hmm. but uh, his, his, argument, which I think is a correct one, is that when you are not confident, then you give off the same cues as somebody that's lying. And that detracts from your authenticity. And so things like nonverbal movements that you make when you're not confident or when you're lying are very similar and the way that you speak. And I reflected on that because I've always had this feeling that I don't come off as authentic as other people do or as I aspire to. And I think that that's rooted in being somebody that really lacked confidence for a long time. And because I've been a trainee for a long time and I'm willing to do things that I have no idea what I'm doing when I do them. And so I don't always have a lot of confidence that I've done this a bunch of times before. But as I've done things like practice medicine, become a specialist, practice radiation oncology for many years, it is inescapable that I have credentials and experience that make me one of, you know, 
hundred or hundreds of people that have similar levels of expertise and training. And that should make you confident. And even if you aren't sure about something, you should at least be confident that you probably know nearly as much about this as almost anybody else. Well, that's funny because I would never have labeled you as someone that wasn't confident. I think that's something we are so harsh to criticize ourselves on. If you want to be more confident, I guess I'm putting that in air quotes. And people always have said to me like, oh, you seem so confident. And I'm like, I do, because I don't really feel confident. (laughs) But I also think it's to your point, just important to be really authentic. And part of, I learned this actually the first year being a veterinarian, um, when people come into the exam room and, you know, they present an animal and it has a problem almost always. And I didn't know the answer to the problem. And I felt such an, I felt like such an imposter. I felt so underqualified. I felt like, oh no, now they have discovered, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I, I would try to fake it at first and like sound smarter than I was. But then as I got more confidence, I guess, or more real with myself, I would just be able to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to this question today. I don't know the, the, I don't know the cause of why your dog is vomiting nonstop. I think I'm going to have to run some tests and try to get more information so I could figure it out. Once I got to that level and um, people responded to that and I realized that's actually confidence is being yourself. <laughs> That you know, for a long time, I would take calls from veterinary clients, and my wife would hear me talking to them, and she would comment, "Was like, oh, like you're using your doctor voice now, right? <laughs> uh, and that's different than my regular voice." And I can make fun of her because she has she has a radio voice. That's what she does for work, right? Uh, but I think over time, like those voices started to blend together and they're really one now, but I think that was the same thing. I think that was me trying to communicate, project, and, you know, maybe even inspire in myself confidence. Um, Whereas my regular sort of day-to-day voice maybe didn't oftentimes have that same level of confidence. Yeah. That's, I'll have to check out that. Um, What's the name of the person again that you recommend? I'm a Christian. How do you say it? I hope I'm not getting it wrong but i believe it's i could spell it it's k-w-a-m-e and then christian c-h-r-i-s-t-i-a-n okay i'm gonna go check it all right well now we're ready to spin the wheel and see what the big discussion topic will be next time wait hold the line The question is, what did it feel like when you got your first payout and what did you buy? Oh, very exciting. All right. We'll see you next time. And we'll dig into this one. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you want to learn more about my story or Iris' story, be sure to check out episodes two and three. And if you are an accidental entrepreneur and would like to be a guest co-host on the show and spin the wheel, just message be a co-host, no spaces, to 1-833-463-9727 and tell us your story. See you next time.